two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. We are so excited for this episode to be sponsored by eNurse. eNurse is Australia's leading one-stop nurse shop. eNurse specialises in everything a nurse or nursing student would need to survive. From comfortable, stylish and keep you cool under pressure elite hair scrubs to handheld study guides, nursing equipment and even a travel coffee mug for those long commutes. eNurse will be your new favourite online shop for all things nursing. Head to www.enurse.com.au and use our code HUMOROUSNURSES for a cheeky discount. Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that records impromptu episodes without any preparation or research. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses, where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. So Kelly had a great idea that we would talk about our careers, the regrets, the highlights, our future dreams, like the highs and lows. And I think that's such a cool concept. So I think it's we'd... been a while since we've done like a an episode that's just us talking about not not like a debrief We're talking, talking about, about nursing. nursing. Yeah, so true. Yeah, it's been a little while. Because we debrief and we start talking about reality TV yeah. and then nursing goes out the window. Cam was like, Cam listened to the debrief the other day and he was <laughs> sent me a text. He said, I do not listen to the leftist Triple J. He listens to Triple M, so correction. Uh, <laughs> and I uh, wouldn't be caught dead listening to Triple J. Of course not. And then he's like, and then I switched off because I'm not listening to um, your F Boy Island or whatever that shit is that you talk oh, about. We can't, and we can't. We're not actually talking about that today because I've no. only watched episode seven. I haven't finished episode oh, eight. Yep. My child. Every time I put the TV on, no, mummy show. <laughs> Um, so you want to start with the regrets. Let's start with the lows and then work our way up to the highs. The only Do you thing have I any really, regrets? The only things – well, I mean, I regret that Clexane medication error from a long time ago, but that didn't really – do it that didn't have any negative impact on I think it's always good to like regret a medication error like I have a medication error that I that I did because I didn't read the instructions yeah and it didn't give it to anybody I just ruined eight thousand dollars worth of a drug Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um I guess when I think about it I think one of the biggest regrets I have is in a weird way, like I regret leaving theatre but I do not absolutely like I regret spending so long working in a place where I really didn't feel like I was a part of the team. Yeah. And, like, if I think about that from a, like, I don't know, psychological perspective, mm. like, that was really harmful, like, that environment. Yeah. And feeling like everybody was out to get each other, being on edge, like, no one really, like, maybe a small percentage of the staff were really sharing with their knowledge and really, like, kind. But then the other majority of the staff were threatened or they were... They were being bullied, so then they became bullies. Like yeah. it really was such an uncomfortable place to work. I think working with the anaesthetist was really good because you kind of didn't worry too much about what the rest of the team was doing. Yeah, and like I always had majority like good experiences working with the anaesthetist. But you know, I think I probably regret trying so hard to stay there when I really didn't feel valued, and I yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably like one of my regrets overall in my career is staying places where you're not uh, happy, 100% yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't ha- actually have like any major career regrets. I 
I probably waited too long to do my RN. Uh-huh. Um, but again, the timing was never right. Yeah. And then when it was right, I did it. Um, I feel the same about a postgrad, about specialising. Like the timing was never right for me. Yeah. So I'm still here nearly 10 years on not having specialised yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. And I and I did a postgrad and the timing was – I did it during um, a year of my life where I had my first mental health mm. crisis and it was the hardest thing I've ever done yeah. and I am in no rush. I really want to do a cancer-related postgrad. Yeah. Because um, what's yours is in leadership management. Yeah. yeah. And I I think it's it would be valuable to me to, to do one in, yes. in cancer. But I don't want to do it just for the sake of having said I've done it. Exactly. And the timing at the moment is not right. Like I've literally enrolled every year for the last three <sighs> or four years to do it. Yeah. So I get emails from about seven different oh my God. <laughs> unis to, because I've like – started to enrol and now they have my email address so I get them from the uni in Melbourne, Charles Darwin uni, <laughs> some online uni, some uni in Tasmania. Did I tell you that <laughs> after my grad year I freaked out because I really wanted to work in peds and I couldn't get a job there because there were no jobs. Yeah. You have to fucking kill someone to get a job there. Yeah. And so then I was – I like on a whim – applied for my midwifery postgrad and I got it <laughs> and then I didn't know what to do because once I got it I was like I really don't, I don't want, want this, this. <laughs> so anyway I know and I don't I don't honestly can't see myself doing it in the next two years I I Me can't put now, that pressure but... on myself now I just not I'm not willing to do it um and so yeah I don't I think I don't really have any major regrets I I've done a lot in my 23 years I've jumped around I've moved around I've worked in so many different hospitals that I've mm. literally never had long service leave. <laughs> Somebody send me some long service leave. Um, and so I, yeah, I, tr- I I have little minor regrets of actions that I've done and things that I maybe didn't do um, and I think if when you opportunities at, presented themselves. If you look at your career in isolation from the rest of your life, it's very easy to pinpoint regrets. But mm. then if you put it into context, so for me, like I was really mentally ill for like three years. Like yeah. I, I was not even – I was barely even functioning to get to work, let alone fucking study. Yeah. So, But you did a lot at work in those three years. You well, yeah, got I promoted. And, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I think that was really the only part of my life that was going okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else was kind yeah. of falling apart. But I couldn't never have put the pressure on myself to study at that point. No. And we also built a house in that point yeah. so at, at that time. And for me, like I look back and – when I started my nursing career, I never, ever thought that this is where I would be. Uh, I very much thought that I would be <laughs> travelling internationally and nursing. I would be doing agency nursing. Yeah. I would not have not still be here in this town. Like I, and, and yeah. it's, you know, when you look at, like I said, like your career in isolation, it's very easy to, to criticise it. But then when you look at the other parts of your life mm. that, that have been impacted by me staying still, mm. like – or not so much staying still, but but staying in the one place, like as in the one workplace. Yeah. Not that I've stayed still at all because I'm fucking like a you take every job like a rat in a cage. In there, yeah. Literally, <laughs> it's I will just do, a very small area. Yeah. And you get to rotate. Through. I get to like do little things everywhere, which I love. But um, you know, and I've gained really valuable skills. Yeah. As much as like, I don't know, as much as you can in a small hospital. Yeah. But um, you know, I then I think well, I you know, built a relationship and I, yeah. I built grew a house a and, grew, and got married and had kids. And, yeah. and so I think 
as much as I really didn't have those priorities when I was starting mm. my nursing career. Um, and I definitely thought I would have specialised by the time I was 10 years, like I'm nine mm. years in now. I really thought that I would have, you know, specialised and yeah. and been doing something fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am. Um, but it I is do, funny, isn't mm. it, when you think about that? Because when I started nursing, I was an EN and I started in a big hospital and I, you know, I was there for three years and I, I got a lot of experience and I was promoted really quickly because I'm a fast learner and yeah. I love to learn new things and yes. do things and I love to upskill. Yeah. And then I went from a big city teaching hospital to uh, Carnarvon, <laughs> which is a small How country hospital. I don't know, a few thousand. Like it's a it's a pretty big town, I guess. Yeah. Um, but as an enrolled nurse, you couldn't do anything. It didn't <laughs> matter that I'd done I was tracky competent and I oh, could wow, yeah. you know care for a day two total necrosection patient, oh. like specialing them. I'd come from this like big like you know, really high skills. Yeah. To this like oh you can be like the this guy's only, yeah, <laughs> person in the aged care wing and Ugh. do the roles and whatever. And oh, she's really capable, so we'll give her twice as many patients. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she can do in charge overnight. <laughs> and so, like, it was though it was like a real – it wasn't a fall for grace, but it was like what I expected I would, might be able to do there was absolutely not. So I used that year to have so much fun. Like, I was drunk <laughs> all the time. Like, <laughs> like they would – I would walk into the pub and they would have our drinks on the bar oh, ready sick. to go, like, like – you know, I became like, and I'm still friends on Instagram to this day with Matt, the bartender who was on my kitchen oh, rules. Thanks cool. very much. Oh. And he, like, we used to get locked in. He, like, and I learned, like, I just learned so much about myself in that year. Like, mm-hmm. I worked with um As much as it wasn't important for your career, it was no, important for it you was as a like, person. Yeah, and yeah. it made me realise that nursing was like, nursing didn't have to be my entire mm-hmm. uh yeah. Like personality. Yes. <laughs> like yes. I could be someone and just do nursing as a job. Yeah. And it literally was just a money making thing for me. And I would prioritize my roster to be like, right, you're going to work all your shifts in a row. And then you have six days off. And we're going to fuck off to Coral Bay and spend six days at the backpackers in Coral Bay in a single room because <laughs> I was a bit richer. So I had a job. <laughs> and like, just get drunk, go and, you know, like, and it was yes. really good for me. And then I moved to Broome and I had a little bit more skills. In Broome, like they let you do a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and Broome had a lot more. Um, it was a bigger hospital, obviously, because, you know, and we did a lot more things, a lot more ED, a lot more surgical. Yeah. But while I was there, I got heaps of experience, got to go into CSSD and cover in there oh, for right six then. months. Yeah, cool. And, you know, I got to assist in a couple of births and things like yeah, that right. because, you know, there was. Well, that's the thing too. Like you look at these smaller facilities, like, and I say this to the students when they come in. Because um, I do a lot of the student orientation yeah. now, and I'll and I'm always trying to condition them for the possibility that they might apply for our graduate for yeah, our that's grad right. program. Yeah, and so I'm always like, you know, relating the experiences between being in a bigger hospital to being mm. in a smaller hospital. Okay, yeah, in a bigger hospital, you might get to see trauma patients, but you're not going to be able to do any procedures on them because you're going to be elbowing interns out of the way to do. Yeah, them. that's right. When, and interns yeah. are going to be elbow- and you're not going to have time either. That's yeah. the other thing. You're not going to have time to to thoroughly care for your patients because you're going to be so busy and that's the thing like the skills that I have learned the things that I have seen being in our small hospital having a rural urgent care center like how many people can say that they like single-handedly you know saw a patient walk in have a respiratory arrest and then I've like 
been responsible for reviving them as the leader with no doctor support. Yeah. Like there's like it that's fucking insane, but it's yeah. also like <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, and even just, you know, seeing births and things like that, seeing yeah. unmedicated like natural births from people like precipitated births. Yeah. Um you know, there's so many there's so many different things that you see in a smaller facility and skills that you gain like yeah. I'm suturing yeah, like I I do sutures for patients who come in with lacerations and yeah. like that's something that you wouldn't do yeah. if you worked in a big ED and and there's skills like that that I've got that I that I didn't get until I came here. No, that's right. And so and yeah. even like policy and procedure development. Yeah, yeah. And doing like I would I give educational in services on fucking anything and everything at yeah. the moment. I'm going to be giving in services on how to do policy and procedure development, <laughs> um, which is not yeah. that exciting, but I don't mind some of that like bureaucratic stuff. But even yeah. like I've made some of the forms that we use, like that's. I know weird. I created a form the other day, so yeah. I have a shift care plan. Yeah. I was like, I like. I mean, I didn't make it. I cut and pasted from other people's forms, and then I gave it to our form lady on this like a a three sheet of paper, all cut Terrible. and pasted. No. And I said, "Can you format?" No, that's how they like it. And oh, then she well, was I like, "Formatted my own." Yeah, but you're stunning. clever, but I'm not, and I. That's why we have a forms lady. So, well, that's true. She was like, "Thank she you for the, setting yeah. it out," and I gave it to her. And then a week or so later, she gave it back to me, and I was like, "You are incredible." So you cool. spelled discharge wrong, so <laughs> I'll give that back to you. But I like it's those little things now. Like I always assumed I would end up in in management of yes. some description because you know that's the way you go. You climb, you climb the ladder, right? If yeah. you're that kind of person, you climb yeah. the ladder. Uh, and, and if, if you you're not, it, yeah. you just don't. You just yeah. do your thing, right? And so my when when I first started nursing, I lived with one of my best friends and we would watch All Saints together on a Tuesday night, Before All Saints and Taco night. And um, she would always call me um, – well, she always <laughs> call me like Matron Sloan from – Maggie Sloan from Country Practice. Oh. Okay. And yeah, again, before my time. Terry Sullivan is the matron yeah. or the unit manager in All Saints, right? And so it was always a running joke that I would, you know, get matron Sloan. Yeah. And I always laugh because I was like, that's never going to be me. Well, now it is. So yeah. like, <laughs> but I, I don't feel, even though I've been a nurse for 23 years, I still don't feel old enough to be. <laughs> in charge of like a unit of people and like it's so interesting to me and then I think about all the things that I've done in this unit in this oncology unit you know like created you're old enough you're nearly 50 (laughs) excuse me excuse me (laughs) not nearly 50 yet although I do age out of the 35 to 44 bracket in about three weeks time um is it because you never took yourself that seriously? Yeah. Yeah. I still don't. I, I still find it hard. I and I've spent 18 months as a nurse unit manager, but it's had acting in front of it. And I keep reminding people I'm just acting. Mm. And they're like, For who? There's no one else. <laughs> they're like, well, you're not. You're no, not. you're not. You're like, not. stop writing acting yes. on there. Like, <laughs> get it off your email signature. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's just one of those things where you just, I think one of the highlights for me mm-hmm. when I think about it, if we move on to highlights yeah. away from regrets, is that uh, this oncology unit literally started with me. Yes. So it really they did. employed me. I was the first person employed you in that unit. You were the sperm and I was the egg. Yeah. <laughs> you've made this unit. Because, like, that's gross. I want to be the egg. You can be the egg. I don't <laughs> Just saying. But it was like they employed me and then they had to find a manager. And then they found Di. I literally met Di 
on the drive to uh, Bendigo to do the education. Oh. <laughs> like we got in a car together. I was like, hi, I'm Kelly. <laughs> and thank God we got along because yeah. we spent a long time together yes. after that. And then like we've, you know, we wrote, well, Di wrote majority of the policies because that was, she said a lot of it up. But I like, I set the IV trolleys yeah. up. I set the way the room functions. Yeah. We set up, we literally, every part of that scratch. unit yeah. has my and Di's touch on it. Yeah. And like, and that's why I'm like, you know, we're going through a lot of change at the moment. And I'm just not ready to walk away from it because I don't feel finished yet. Like when Di left, I know she I don't felt think like she's asking you to walk away. I think no, no, no. They're not asking yeah. me to walk away. It's just whether I want this position or yes. not is the question. Yeah. And it's a big question for me. And it's like, but for me, that that highlight of going from just an RN to a num in the unit to nurse manager of the unit yeah. is like... And you were the cancer resource nurse in there somewhere as well. Yeah, just randomly. I'd, I've resigned from that role officially oh, now. Well yeah. <laughs> so I'm never taking that back ever. <laughs> I didn't want it. It was just get me off the ward yes. during COVID. That yes. was why I took it. But it was like, it was just, it's it, it actually makes me feel really proud to see that that I've managed to do it because, and, it, and nowhere else in the... <laughs> In any other hospital, would I get this experience to be a nurse unit manager of like four staff members? <laughs> like, you know, the acute manager You've always got the best of both worlds. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I have the acute like manager a level manager's of, like eighty. Yeah, she's like, I was like, my Chronos takes recruiting. me two minutes, yeah, and her Chronos takes her like days because she's yeah. like eighty people that she has to fix up, sign off, do yeah. all the changes on, and I, I don't envy that at all. And obviously, and so her things that she has to do. There's just so like that role so is so big. huge and yeah. and I'm like I'm about to um, like there's change coming that my role will will increase um, but it's not going to increase to that level yeah, and yeah. I feel fortunate that I can like literally step up in these increments yeah. and that maybe I, can, I don't have any desire to leave where we are because my lifestyle yeah and, you know I don't yeah. have to travel and that's the thing like I think people don't realize like that if you are gonna leave your job in this town. It means commuting forty minutes, yeah, at least, yeah, for another job, yeah. And there's and maybe and that might in not the future, seem a lot for people who live, live in, in the big cities, cities but yeah. for us, it's it's a forty-two kilometer. Well, I it's live. An, it's a nearly a hundred kilometer a day yeah. round trip. I live like ten k's from work already, and so yeah. even if I got a job somewhere else, I would still have to come into the town, drop my child at school, yeah. And then go wherever, which yeah. is backtracking either way. And you lose so much time, like you, and you lose, yeah, yeah. It's and, uh, you, and fuel costs both. I know, and I really want to. I love this little hospital; it's yeah. so good. But anyway, I, I just feel like as a as a where I am in my work life now, I little Kelly would never have thought of that. Like yeah. I would never have thought that I could be here yeah. and actually be really content in my job. Do I want this in the future? I don't know. No, we'll see what happens. Know, yeah. I do want to stay till 2025, get that long service leave, though. <laughs> not going anywhere until I get that. I feel like, do you have any, like, instances that have been significant highlights? Like, you've talked sort of generally, but do you have anything that sticks out if someone said to you, like, what is your biggest highlight of your career? Like, what would you say? Um, or, like, a, a specific instance that, like, comes to mind when you think about a real high moment? I think... I there's a couple of patients who have had like huge impacts on my life mm-hmm. over the years and one is from 
um, literally the second year of my nursing career Mm -hmm. and we had a patient who had been in our unit for like six months. Now, we were a colorectal ENT and ophthalmology unit. Mm-hmm. Um, That's strange. <laughs> I know, so <laughs> random. And we, you know, we, we were surgical. We didn't we yeah. didn't have long stays. And, but she had a bowel condition and had to have multiple surgeries mm-hmm. and basically ended up in our unit for like six months and, it, and deteriorated over the last few months and we knew she was going to die. And the, you know, became quite close to the family because obviously if someone's there that long, you're you're nursing them really regularly. And I was full-time, so obviously you end up nursing them quite regularly. Yeah. And they had big vac dressings and stuff, so you were mm. spending a lot of time in there doing lots of cares and stuff with them. And um, a day or so before she passed away, she became very alert and sat up and, and ate dinner and the mm-hmm. husband had like a beautiful day with her and it was a day all her family came to see her and I remember one of the older nurses said she's gonna die mm. and I looked I was like no look at her she's like improving and she goes a candle always burns brighter before it flickers out oh my god and I remember her saying it's got nothing to do with all your good nursing no I was like <laughs> and and the next day she was unconscious and mm. passed away but I was in the room with her when they That's passed right, away yeah, and I, I was holding her hand because we were having a conversation and the husband said, you know, like, um, I'm so she's I'm so ready to let go and, you know, she's fought so hard and and it was a it was a really lovely moment and I was holding her hand and he was holding her hand and then she just took a breath and I'm pretty sure she exited through my body because <laughs> I had a very strange experience <laughs> which I will never forget. And the husband just looked at me and he's like, She's gone, isn't yeah. she? And you know, I called in the doctor and, and open the window. St- yeah, open the window because <laughs> you could, thank God. And um, and she was. It was just a really beautiful moment because the family gave us. They wrote, you know, they gave us like the thank you stuff, mm. and they per- wrote personal cards nice. to wow. nurses. And I got a card, and it was, and I still have it to this day. And and he randomly left me a fondue set that's right. because we'd had conversations about oh stuff because he so i said cool. i loved having hosting dinner parties yeah yeah and he he was, was a cheese one a yeah cheese. Oh, and his nice. that in his in the 70s his wife she was saying how she always hosted these fondue parties oh and God. so he left me Can her you have fondue, a fondue party when i finished having this kid yeah let's do that <laughs> and so it was like it, one like that was a really moment in my life that I was like we can make a huge difference even if they can't survive yeah and now fast forward 20 years into oncology where that's literally the story of my life Mm. and I have patients who you know keep going because of what we say Mm -hmm. and do to them and I know I have a Amazing impact. So whilst it might not like be a huge highlight for me, it's those little moments over my career where people mm-hmm. say, there's a lady who runs um, the fruit and veggie store at, at the markets all locally around here and, and her mother, she came in, they thought she was having a heart attack and I'd done everything in urgent care and it was absolutely not cardiac and then I suggested maybe it was anxiety and we had conversations and I gave her some information about local counsellors and stuff like that. And she followed up with the cardiologist and everything. But it was literally because she'd, like, lost her dad, like the mum had lost her husband just recently. And I still see this lady at all the markets and every time she still, like, chucks me an extra zucchini and says, (laughs) thank you. Like, she come back in and brought me flowers and a card and said, you made a huge difference. 
And I thought that wasn't like literally – you're just doing your job. It's crazy the things that people remember about you yes. that you might not even – I don't – there's – like literally the other day, this mum come in with her kid and she goes, oh, my God, Alicia's here. And she talks to her kid and she's like, oh, I told you you'd be seeing us a hundred more times, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I can't for the life of me mm. remember you or your son. And I felt really guilty because she knew me by name. Yeah, I know, I, and I remember seeing her face. Well, that's, I'm like, because he's – like her son is Ollie's age. Like I would have been like – you know, tried to have fun with him. Yeah. And I always tell kids that the oximeter is the girlfriend machine. Tells me how many girlfriends they've got. So then oh. they stick their fingers straight in there because they want to, like, they want to know how many girlfriends they, this machine thinks they've got. And, um, it's always like 98. And then you're like, oh my God, you've got a hundred girlfriends? Like they're just, you know, I think it's so funny. But, um, you know, I was like, oh, I must have been really nice to her. Like, yeah. I'm always surprised when, and patients will say like things to Mick. Oh, Alicia mm. looked after my so and so, and um, she was, you know, they, and they say nice things. I'm like, oh, well, I yeah. must be doing okay. Yeah, like you just don't remember. Like, I don't no. remember times when I've been like overly kind or whatever. Like, I gave someone a Spenko booty the other day. He looked like he just wanted to jump out of the bed and kiss me. Like he was so I happy. Know. I'm like, oh, easily pleased. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think when we talk about like highlights, like as much as I've had a lot of highlights throughout my career, like. I'd say one of them was probably becoming a clinical educator at like five years post-grad, which was crazy because I went to another hospital. I left where we are yeah. now and um, went to another hospital, worked as a clinical educator, was fucking anxious the whole time. It was <laughs> awful. <laughs> and the Is work that because you had a bit of like, um, like imposter syndrome? Absolutely. Yeah. But also because I think the workload – for instance, it was 0.5 across two campuses. Mm. Both of those campuses had hospitals and nursing homes mm. and all these non-clinical staff who I was supposed to be doing their first aid and the, like and doing their basic life support and things yeah. for. Um, and 0.5 across two hospitals yeah. and across two nursing homes like it was and then I had also the responsibility of the grads and the students yeah so on a Monday if I had students starting at both places I was supposed to somehow figure out how to do their orientation and be in two places at once and that was just to me totally nonsensical like I couldn't I could not make that happen yeah and they would book them to start on the same day at different places and so then I would meet one lot and then I, I really just felt like totally unsatisfied and I really felt like I couldn't do my job well yeah because I couldn't be there I just didn't have yeah. the time and one of those five days a fortnight was conducting manual manual like doing all of the mandatory competencies for all the staff mm, yeah so technically it was 0.4 <laughs> and in that time like point like that's two days a week to figure out like to book education to manage the students and how the hell are you supposed to do student assessments if you're not there on a Thursday or a Friday yeah, exactly like it was just impossible and I really felt like it looked great on paper. It always looks good on paper. And then when I got there, I thought there's no this role needs to be at least full time with an admin support. Like, yeah, there's so much. There was just so much work, and um, I ended up. I think I did twelve months, and I decided that I couldn't cope with the stress. Yeah, because <laughs> it was just too much. And but you know, the whole process of getting that job and and seeing the the real like other side of things. And I think that really gave me an appreciation for management as much as mm. sometimes, you know, as an RN or an ANUM, you feel like managers might be out of touch or whatever, but 
they really just have so much work going on behind the scenes that mm-hmm. you don't even realise. And I think that job really gave me that kind of insight because um, I was going to those management yeah. meetings and things like that that I wasn't before. Um, but lots of other like little highlights when I think like what you were saying about, um, you know, being promoted. Like I think when I came to our hospital, I it was a last resort for me. I'd had a car accident on like mm. and I was thinking – that my life was going to change drastically. I was probably going to lose my license and, you know, thinking, well, I need to get a job close to home. So that yeah. was literally why I started yeah. working there. And, it wa- and I remember friends of mine who I worked with at the bigger hospital were like, you're going to be so bored, you're going to fucking hate it there. Like, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to survive? Mm. And within a few months, I think within like 10 months of being there, like I'd become an anum. So, you know. because you met me. Was it? Yeah, I did 100%. meet you in that time. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, I think because when you, and, th- and that really gave me that sense of pride that I really hadn't had anywhere mm. else because I feel like once a place, a workplace sees you as a junior, it's really hard for them to Unseen. see you as anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to see that you have any value. Yeah. Like when you come as a grad somewhere and then you stay on, they still see you as a learner, which was fine because I was still a learner, but I also felt like there was no credit where credit was due yeah, and then, you know, moving to our hospital, it was like, oh, this girl, like I was working, like when I worked on surgical, I was like, you would have four, you'd have three total joint replacements mm. and then you'd have someone else who was like nil by mouth having four hourly aspirates waiting yeah. for a bowel resection. Like you, like you busy. would be fucking busy. Yeah, yeah. And then I come to our workplace yeah. and it was just a different kind of busy it, it was different. It was more manual yeah. intensive. You had more patience, but the acuity was the lower. acuity was lower, and yeah. and so then I found it quite easy to manage my time there. Yeah, and so then it's like, well, you've got good time management, you've got good assessment skills, you're showing leadership potential. Straight up, you go. Yeah, and so you know, and and to be nurtured in that way, and I was like, oh my god, these people see value in me. Yeah, and these people feel like a team, and like they, I remember a staff member had a really, really difficult – one of her sons has a lot of problems and you could just see the whole ward comes yeah. around her. The whole yeah. staff are, like, looking out for her and making yeah. sure that she's okay and, and like, I'd never had that yeah. anywhere in nursing before. It was very much – I don't know. It, it, it was very much, like, clicky. Yeah. Like, everywhere else I'd been had been, like, there was a group of people that socialised together and then nobody else does. Yeah. And then, you know, if you weren't in that click – and you always kind of felt on the outside of that clique. Yeah. You, you know, that was sort of how it was. Yeah. Whereas coming here, everyone, it was like we've lived here, we grew up here, our husbands are brothers or our husbands are cousins or our our parents grew up together yeah. or whatever it is. Like living and in that small community. And people were born in that bloody hospital. Well, exactly. <laughs> They've all, all their relatives. Each other. Yeah. yeah, their relatives work in there or like. Or like their, their colleague delivered their children. Yeah. Like it's just, it's very incestuous, yeah. but it's very beautiful. And, like, I think um, I will say, though, like, specifically a highlight for me throughout my whole career, like, this is a moment that I will never, ever, 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 ever forget in my entire life. As a grad, I was on kids' ward and this girl must have been about three and she had stepped on a sewing needle and it had the thread, like, still on the end of it, right? Stepped on a sewing needle and it had bent. So it was like an L shape. Oh, so you couldn't even pull it out. Right. So. I she came in through ED. She came to the ward and she was going to go to theater and have it removed. I said to her that I wanted to see it and her parents were like 
she won't let you. And I was like, oh, I really need to see it. Like, I need to make sure that it is still there. That we're not going to send her up to theatre yeah. and it's gone or whatever. Anyway, so I really want to look at it. And I told her, like, I was like, I looked her in the eye and I was like, I promise you I'm not going to touch it. Mm. I just need to see it. So I, like, put my hands behind my back and she finally let me have a look at it. I looked with my eyes like I promised her I would. And then um, she, like, they must have wrapped it up or something. I can't remember. But I told her I wouldn't touch it and I didn't, right? She goes to theatre, comes back, and her parents have bought a bunch of flowers. Or like a, It was like a gerbera, like, you know, yeah. it was really cute. And I'm like, oh, did you get flowers? And she's like, I'm there for you, this little girl. And I was like, why? Like, I've literally nursed her for five minutes. Yeah. And her parents said, you're the only person who hasn't lied to her in this hospital. Uh, yeah. And I, like, nearly cried. I was like, I'm, the number one rule with kids is you don't lie to them because they're yeah. not going to trust you and you need their trust. Like, yeah. you need them to trust you if you're going to be looking for the, looking after them. Yeah. And kids, like, have a very good intuition and yeah, they're, yeah. they're, like, a very good judge of character. If you're going to lie to them, like, you're dead to them. Yeah, that's right. And um, I just thought, how sad was that? Like she'd been through ED, she'd been yeah. like on the ward. I'd come on to my shift and she was already in a bed. Like how many people – and they're like every other person have tried to pull it out. Mm, like God. just talk, saying to her, I'm just going to have a look at it and then grab their fingers and try to pull this thing out of the three-year-old. Like why would you do yeah, that? Yeah, that's exactly and, right. And I think that that moment of like their ultimate gratitude – for me, doing the simplest thing yeah. and just honouring my word to this child, like it really changed the way that I think – well, and it probably didn't change the way I, I deal with kids because I'm still totally honest with them yeah. and I don't lie to them and I'll never try and trick a kid that's a yeah. patient ever. Like it's different when it's your own kid, you fucking trick them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I still – I do think that it's probably changed the way like that I think about yeah. parenting as well, especially with Ollie. So she's got athlete's foot at the moment. <laughs> Although Jess called it foot rot and that made me feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> anyway, so she has a little fungal foot thing because we obviously haven't been drying between her toes properly because she's two and I just figure oh, they yeah. air dry. Do you, but <laughs> do you dry between your toes? I don't dry I never do, toes. but now God. I think about it, I'm like, I'm better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, well, it's getting harder and harder to get down oh, yeah. there. <laughs> I was going to say, can you even see them? Yeah. <laughs> but um, now I have to put cream on her foot every night. and. Yeah. Um, she lies. She says it's all better. Her foot's all better, yeah. she reckons. But, um, you know, the more you do it and the more I, I explain to her, I explain everything I'm going to do yeah. so that she's got an understanding, you know. So first we were cleaning it with saline because it was really gunky and um, and then uh, we'd have to clean it and dry it and then yeah. put cream. And, um, you know, she gets braver and braver because she's more yeah. aware and she like she's got that experience to kind of back it up. But I think... Like, number one, if you're ever nursing kids, like, do not fucking lie to them and no. do not trick them. I mean, don't lie to any of your patients, really. Yeah, I suppose. Unless they're old. <laughs> I feel like we lie to old people all the time. Yeah, it's just a bit of jam. I love how Laced we talk with about, drugs. let's not lie to our kids, but Tooth Fairy, Father Christmas, <laughs> Easter Bunny, they're Different. all okay. Yeah, because they get treats. I have a massive Christmas issue with Santa. Anyway. Same. Um... Are you getting sweaty armpits or sweaty balls walking to work in your scrubs? Well, every nurse needs a pair of scrubs that are breathable, super comfy and not clingy. Elite Care was designed by a nurse for nurses. They're 55% cotton blend, so they're cool and comfortable, durable and have plenty of pockets. And when I say plenty, I mean like plenty. Pen loops, chest loops. 
everything for like your glasses, your name tags, and they have heaps of different designs. They're size inclusive up to a 5XL and have great colors. Enos have a 100% satisfaction guarantee, free shipping on orders over $150 and are packed within 48 hours of ordering. And they literally have everything you could ever need to do your job. Head to www.enurse.com.au to check out their whole range of elite care scrubs. Don't forget our code Humorous Nurses for a cheeky discount. Enurse loves our nurses. What about future goals? I have a huge goal. Oh, God. You have like 10,000 goals and they change every day. Well, no, this is actually something that I've been thinking about for a long time, but I've never fully committed. And it's probably been since I had Ollie that I've been thinking about this. Haven't done anything about it whatsoever (laughs) because I know the way that my brain works. As soon as I pick up something and run with it, like I'll be all in for five minutes. Yes. And then I'll be all out. Yeah. I feel like you need to sort that brain out first maybe. I agree. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I've kept this on the back burner. Yeah. Because I want like – I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah. I want to be medicated for like ADHD if that's like – Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I have a lot going on in my head. Yeah. But I know that this is – I feel strongly pulled to this, right? So, and it's multifaceted again, but I see for myself in the distant future, working privately as a um, nurse continence advisor and also then dabbling in um, childbirth education and then doing pelvic floor assessment and helping women with that because I've had issues with my own. I had an amazing first birth and there were so many women and I feel really strongly that that was because I was so well educated and I was so well prepared I know that some women have terrible births and it's out of their control and yeah. I totally I get that that yeah. there are like situations where it can't be helped and yeah. you can be the most educated person in the world and not have a good birth and I appreciate that but I also feel like a lot of women go into birth unprepared can, can, yeah, and they I end agree. up at the mercy of the medical system and I think if yeah. you are educated you can better advocate for yourself yeah. and and you can um you know, and, and you can also get yourself into a mental space. And I'll never forget one of our colleagues, Sarah, if you're listening, this is Sarah, a different Sarah, Sarah, um, another Sarah, <laughs> said to me that when you have a baby, she goes, when you go into labour, this is when I was pregnant with Ollie, she said, just remember that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, man, I've never been good at running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or waiting or long-term right. stuff. None of that yeah. shit, right? And then she, right. told me about, me now. she told me about like her birth versus her sister's birth and how her sister really went in guns blazing like this was going to be over within a few hours yeah. kind of situation, whereas Sarah went in knowing that it's a, it's you're in yeah, it for the long days, haul yeah. and you've got or to prepare could. yourself mentally. And she was the only person that really said to yeah. me, that you've got to – it's a lot of about mental preparation, especially when you're transitioning. It gets fucking hard. Like yeah. there's so many there's so many aspects to that and I feel like if I can help yeah. women have a better birth, yeah. maybe not be so traumatised by birth, like that would be yeah. – and I feel like that would tie in as well with like doing continence and, then, like. and, yeah. and also like doing pelvic floor assessment um, because I've got an anterior prolapse after Ollie yeah. and I'm suffering symptoms with it now, like with my second pregnancy. I did see a physio and I'm still seeing a physio, but it's like, you know, yeah. I feel like without the, without that support, I would be so, so scared. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still a little bit worried about how birth's going to go with a prolapse because yeah. I didn't have one before I had Ollie. But, yeah. um, you know, I think – if I can help and, and 
If I, yeah, if I can help yeah. women who've had pelvic floor dysfunction and, and issues, and I know it's because I've been constipated my whole life. I'm pretty sure I talked about this like all the time. The first episode, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I thought that I wasn't going to have a prolapse, but um, uh, that's but that's a good goal to have. Yeah, and it's, it's a good goal to work towards. Yeah, so I see yeah. myself. I'm I'm been really looking at some short courses at the moment, um, just incontinence specifically, yeah. and um, then I'll consider doing a post grad down the track. But I'm yeah. just not. I don't want, like I said, I don't want to dump the gun. No. I'm letting it sit yeah. and see if I'm still keen in a year yeah. um, or when I'm ready yeah. to study because um, I can't get medicated while I'm pregnant. No. <laughs> so, I'll, And, I, and yeah. I think that that's important for you to sort that your brain out. Whether it is ADHD or it's not ADHD, I think it's important to work out how you can manage those hyperfixations because they'll only yeah. – yeah. Uh, negatively affect you trying to do this. And then also the, the sort of the finger in every pie thing, the thousand hobbies thing. Oh, yeah. The, you know, I mean, it's the just classic. lack of life admin. Like it, it's a lot of <laughs> classic M. Rashiano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how it all kind of came about. <laughs> but um, there's so many there's so many things and I really am – I'm so self-aware though. I've always been someone yeah. who's been very self-aware. And I guess if, you know, when it comes to the future and comes to highlights as well, like – um, you know, I think I'm really proud. Like my dad used to call me a gob off. He used to, he used to tell me that I like, I couldn't shut up to yeah. save myself, which is true. And I still have like emotional outbursts and I still like, am a bit of a freak, but I feel like if someone like me who struggles with a lot of those things mm. can be, I'm, you know, I'm, I love my job. I love working mm. in education. I love that I can be a clinical support nurse. I can go to theatre and I can recover a patient while they go to lunch or I can go to oncology, oncology. so you can go to a union <laughs> meeting. Actually, that was like the highlight of my day talking to that patient. He was so cool. Um, and like I can go I can go and do a pick line dressing on the water. I can go and do – I can go and support someone to put in a male catheter. Like there's yeah. so many things that I'm so grateful that I can do. I can go into theatre and I can get scrubbed and like scrub in as the surgeon's assistant because they have a staff member short. Like I love that flexibility yeah. of my day when I do ed- yeah. education. So no, I feel like – I think that's a really good dream. I think you've got – I think, you know, we talk about – I've heard you talk about lots and lots of different things that you've wanted to do. Uh, in the time that I've known you. <laughs> <laughs> like that time I really wanted to become a vet. Mm. Mm. Or a critical care nurse or a paramedic. Mm. Or <laughs> Go back to theatre and specialise or yeah. go do my postgrad. And that's the thing when you talked about doing your postgrad, I'm like I could do my postgrad in education so that I've got it. But Big yeah. fucking deal. Yeah. It's not going to change anything. I already And you can only get paid for one postgrad. I'm already getting paid for one postgrad. So oh, well, what's the matter? That, actually. Yeah, you can only have one certificate allowance. But yeah, I feel like if I'm yeah. if I'm going to, and that's the thing, probably why I've never studied is because I've had such a trouble committing to a yeah. specialty. But I feel like this is what makes me laugh about a friend of the pod, Marinda, making yes. nurse mares every time she does a placement or a different AIN shift on a ward, she falls in love with it and that's going to be her new specialty. And every time I see her post about it, I just lol because... I'm like that. Yeah, but yeah. also it doesn't... In nursing, you're allowed to love literally every specialty because yeah. you don't have to specialise. You, you could do to commit. a year yeah. in med surge. You could go do a year in mental health. You could then be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Or I just want to change and go to the operating theatres or yeah. go do cardiology or go do whatever. And yes... You're, you know, like there's all this 
like hype around what's your specialty, pick mm. your specialty. But fuck that. I've literally done everything. And I've on, done yeah. med, I've done like medical oncology wards, I've done surgical wards, I've done multiple different types of surgical wards because I worked in big hospitals and they were mm. all different. I've done aged care, I've done country nursing, I've done operating room, I've done oncology, I've done urgent care, I've done like every level from but you ER are, you to are RN. A, but you are a specialist now. Now like, I am. Yeah. I specialise in oncology, and that's the but thing. I never thought I would. And I do, I, not that I feel like a fraud, but I do feel somewhat disappointed that I haven't specialised. But then again, like if but I But as an back, educator, I think you need to be across, especially in a hospital like ours exactly. where you've got to be able to have I a love finger that in every I, part. Exactly. And I love that I've yeah. got that theatre background um yeah because it adds something that no one else yeah. in the team has but i also know that if i want to leave where i am i can get a job anywhere exactly doesn't matter if i know this but oh, well, i'm not, i mean i'm not going to go get a job in cardiology because i like love Hate myself hearts. too much and yeah <laughs> not want to do that but yeah. i can go and you know get a job somewhere else and yeah. know that even if i'm not 100 percent over it i can learn it because mm. i'm capable i'll never forget when i came to our hospital from working in theatre and I had to give someone like medications. I was like, what? Fuck. <laughs> what? How do we do that? It's only been two years. I had to give someone antibiotics the other day because we have, well, um, <laughs> and Andrew and I had to look up the book. Like, we have two highly qualified skilled nurses. <laughs> We're looking up the injectables handbook because we That's couldn't remember That's how really to draw practice. it up. <laughs> I, tell, I, like, I literally, oh I'm like a huge advocate. I don't care what it is. I will. It, Unless it's keftriaxone or kefazolin, if oh, it's yeah, one it's gram like, of keftriaxone or kefazolin, do not look it up. If it's anything else, yeah. or if it's two grams do of you know anything, what makes me always laugh, look it up. I emailed and asked <laughs> for the latest version of the injectables handbook. It's on the internet. No. <laughs> I've used it. And Susie, our manager, replied back saying, just use the Clinician's Health Channel. Exactly. It's all there. And I like got on the computer like, and I was like, again? Clinician's Health Channel. You did it's, not like, Google it. It's, no, no, it's oh, linked on our intranet. And I just went in and I was like, oh, wow, look, there's MIMS, the injectable handbook, like everything I need. The therapy guidelines. Because I was like, because it, it had been Surely so long. you would long. use the Royal Women's thing too, wouldn't you? What for? I don't know. Don't you get pregnant patients? Uh, no. Nah. Oh, we have the pregnant patient for the odd fair inject, but oh, like yeah, right. um, we don't give chemo or anything to pregnant people. No, they right. wouldn't be, they wouldn't fit our criteria. But I like laugh because it's just been so long since I've had to look at the injectables handbook so because funny. we know what we're, you know, we give the same stuff over and over. And mm. our chemo, we don't look at that. We look at Evercure. So it was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's online. I said, to Andrea, we're not getting a new book. She goes, but I want a book. And I'm like, mate, just use the computer. Like, Print yeah, them off. Use the old Start, one. Make like, your own yeah. book. <laughs> it's like. 10,000 pages. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I'm, I don't know about my dreams. At the moment, I'm just happy chugging along where I'm at, learning this num roll. Mm. Um, does that look like bigger things in the future? I don't know at this moment. I, I really I, – I don't want to focus on the future at the moment because I've – Because the present is – I need to focus so, yeah. on now yeah. and what I've got now and yeah. I feel like – I'm in a spot now that I can see myself staying for a few years yeah. and so unless that changes, I'll, I don't really. And the future for me probably just looks like going back to shift work if that's the case and I yeah. don't want to think about that. No, that's right. And I feel like <laughs> at the moment for me too, like um, my role has changed at work as well. Yeah. And um, and I would say that maybe down the track it will be for the better but in the short term yeah. I really can't see the value in it at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, 
but I feel like my satisfaction level and for me like a big part of where I work has to do with satisfaction and it has to do with do I feel like I'm contributing do I feel like I'm putting out good quality work and at the moment I really don't and I, I just think it's all a bit like muddy at the moment and um so then of course, my care factor starts dwindling. You're, and then I you're start so feeling close like to like maternity, maternity leave, leave and that's well. the other thing as well because that's <laughs> in the back of my mind. And like I've this foot, I feel I think I have plantar fasciitis, but there's something else wrong with it. I don't know because now my ankle hurts, and now like today I didn't go to work because. I like can barely walk. Yeah, and so I'm like 25 weeks pregnant with a limp, and now my hip hurts. Like You're everything end hurts. Up with Jess on the crutches. I know. And I said that to Mom <laughs> today. I'm like, I actually think I'm going to need crutches because I can't keep walking on this foot the way yeah. that it is. And I'm like, how the fuck do you do two year old and pregnant with crutches? Like, nah, can't deal. Yeah. And um, although she does put herself on the potty now, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. That's- <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just um, I'm so ready to finish as well now. Yeah. That this change of the role has kind of added to that that need to finish and settled yeah so yeah yeah exactly that and i think pretty much since i went back to work after ollie till now i've had this urge of like feeling like this place might be done for me Mm. but then when i look at my alternatives (laughs) the commute is Mm, is, too much yeah and, and and that's a real drawback like and that's but that's i guess a compromise that you have to make if you you know, it's a sacrifice you have to make if, if that's really what you want. Yeah. So I guess that's why I'm still kind of just sitting where I am yeah. until. And I guess yeah. you're lucky because, no, not lucky, but I guess it's fortunate for you because you do have a bit of a break coming up so you can focus yeah. you know, in your sleep deprived state with a newborn on what you might want in the future. But I'm also <laughs> going to finish six weeks. I'm going to finish at 34 weeks this time, whereas last time I finished at 36 and a half. Yeah. So. Um, this time I'm finishing at 34 weeks just because of my pelvic floor and I don't know how that's kind no, of going to look right. at that point. Yeah. So finishing that little bit earlier to give me some time with Ollie yeah. and then maybe as well some time to, you know, for do yourself. a short course, fit something yeah. in and, and then really yeah. see if that's what I want. But well, I'm excited about the future. It's been a lovely chat. Do you have like yeah. a little bit of just one sentence of advice for like the people um, like Mez maybe that like sit and just – I don't know, want to do everything and are like super keen and just they're not tainted by the job well, yet. Well, I like feel like we are. my wisdom, oh, my God, just quickly before we finish, one of the – so we had an EN student last year who I like precepted and, and who I orientated and stuff. She's come back as a grad and she's just rotated to the ward. And the other oh. day we had a patient who wouldn't leave the urgent care centre and there was nothing wrong, like we couldn't find anything wrong with her. And um, I was like – I basically, in a gist, I said to the nurse, she was like, oh, she doesn't want to go. And I was like, I don't care. Like, drag her out if you have to, right? Like, as a joke. Like, I said as a joke. And the student was like, like, well, now she's a grad. She's like, God, I've missed you. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, just just the way you talk. And I'm like, no, no, this is... This is only 10 years in. Yeah. This is like, this is only 10 years in. Like, this is what happens to you when you, the care factor goes. <laughs> Compassion fatigue. I know, that's exactly, yeah. And I'm like, I've all the fatigues at the moment with this yeah. fucking kid as well. And um, now this limp, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but um, I will say if it, wisdom has taught me anything, and especially because of the way that my brain works, sit on stuff. Don't. Get excited and jump the gun because that's something that I've done my whole life. 
Mm-hmm. I've jumped the gun without thinking things through, without thinking what does that look like, without even just tasting it or trying it. Mm. Like, so for instance, like this continence thing, I've gone and watched some anatomy and physiology videos and seeing how I feel about that. And then um, doing, I'm doing my own pelvic floor course, like for my own, um, yeah. from I think it's it's uh, Core Floor and Restore, Core Floor Restore. Um, so just doing her course and like as a patient, I guess, or as the yeah. client, um, you know, doing that and, and just kind of experiencing all sorts of different parts of it. Yeah. And, and I'm going to do, yeah, like I said, this, this short course just to see how I feel about it before yeah. I commit to something. Because in the past, like the midwifery postgrad, yeah. never even seen a baby be born. And I decided that I was yeah really wanted to look after baby. So I'll become a midwife. Like, yeah, but I'd, I never really thought things through properly and really yeah. considered how they would affect my life or would they improve, like just really be thoughtful in your decisions because now I don't, I don't tend to jump. Um, jump. Yeah. As Dr. Phil says, if it's a good idea now, it'll be a good idea in two weeks when exactly. you've waited and sat on it. Yeah, absolutely. I fully yeah. agree with you, Philly. Dr. Phil, I mean, problematic, but that's okay. What about you? Do you have one, uh, one piece of advice? Well, my probable piece of advice is similar to you, you know, I, I just, you can do anything. You, like, honestly, you can, do, you can anything do anything that you want. And you don't think, oh, I don't have any skills in that area, so I can't do it. If you want to change and there's a job advertised, go for it. Absolutely. Learn the art of talking yourself up. Write your oh, yeah. cover letter as if you're describing your best friend. And not only that, I will say to add to that, okay, so you're saying like just try it and I'm like, you need to consider all, like, you know, be thoughtful and consider all your options. But I, I – agree with what you're saying like don't don't put restraints on yourself like no no don't be like oh there's a job in cardiology i don't know anything about hearts and Mm. i you know i've only ever done like medical Mm. i'll never get it yeah well you're not going to get it with that attitude no exactly right and this is something else that i will say and i will say it till i'm fucking blue in the face and this is how i got a job as a clinical educator with five years experience i went to my interview equal experience no and i went to my interview and basically, like, that is your opportunity to convince them mm. that you are the right person yeah. for this job. If you walk in unsure, you're going to walk out and they will be unsure. Yeah. So, like, you you need to convince them that that you're the person for the job. Yeah. Yeah. We I had a job going, a, a uh, just a fixed-term contract, and one of the girls who was a grad last year and are in this year who had done – Grad rotation with us last year. It does casual for me now. Mm-hmm. Applied for the job. Now, her cover letter <laughs> was exceptional, mind-blowingly brilliant. Like, now, she knows me. She works. She's, yeah. like, literally the person I go to first when I have it. And like, she would have been shifts. the person to get the and job. Yeah. all I needed from her was a letter. Like, mm-hmm. I just needed her to, to apply for the job. To literally put a line saying, expressing my interest in the role of oncology. Because I have to. Oncology, have to you have to advertise. Yeah. Like, yeah. And she wrote a full-page letter covering everything that she needed to cover as if I didn't know her. Amazing. And I was like, I'm stealing this for when I need to apply for a job. Because, <laughs> like, that was really good. And, like, she didn't need to do that. Yeah. But she still did it because that she has a conscious, I guess, and she's very just wanted the job. Yeah. And that made me go, well, why wouldn't I? I mean, no one yeah. else applied for the job, thank God, because <laughs> I, I only wanted her. But, yeah. like, I, mean, I didn't only want her. But, yeah. you know, like it was and an internal ad. There yeah. was no one else going to do it. But I was like – 
it just go. You, you just go sell yourself and you sell absolutely. yourself like you would sell your best friend. And I say this like because I'm. I think I attribute like interviews kind of like how when I go to an audition, like for a show. Yeah. I need to convince like this panel of people that, that I am this role. Yeah. And that I want to walk away, and I want every yeah. single person there to totally disregard every other person that walks yeah. in that room for that role. And that's how it should be when you go for an interview. Not that you should sound like a cocky cock. <laughs> I was going to say cunt. <laughs> but, like, yeah. walk in there and be like, absolutely, I can do that. Like, yeah. and, 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 and as well, and now that I'm getting off topic, give them an example of a time when you have done that. Yeah. Give them an example because – Previous performance, past performance is the best indicator of future performance. And also, if you're a gra- if you're a student and you're applying, it doesn't matter that you don't have any nursing history. No. If you've worked at Macca's and you dealt with a situation, they're, they're examples. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't matter that it's not nursing. If yeah. you handled a stressful situation at Macca's when someone you put pickles in an order and they didn't want pickles and they came back and yelled at you and you talked them down and oh, gave them a free burger. Resolution. There you go, mate. Look at you this. just did it. You change great. management. New burger came in at Macca's. Yeah. Change management. Yeah, there's so many. There's people. Yeah, come anyway. to us. We'll, maybe I'll start um uh, interview oh, consults as well. No, I'm <laughs> See, jumping the gun. Um, but do you know what you could do? Um, my second best piece of advice is to like go rate us five stars on your podcast mm. platform that you're yeah. listening to us on. <laughs> go do it. Especially <laughs> Spotify because we find it really hard to get into the charts on Spotify. Oh, I haven't um, even looked at the charts lately. No, neither, at I all. literally <laughs> never look at them anymore. I'm, I'm like, sure they'll email us if we hit number one. That's all I worry about. Um, but yeah, no, and um, follow us on Instagram if you don't already follow us. Follow us uh, at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. So that's humorous like the bone. Uh, you can email us first. Oh, you can email us too. <laughs> Hello at twohumorousnessespodcast.com. Can you tell we didn't write a run sheet for this? We just doing yeah, it off the top of our head. The, off the cuff, mate. Well, we have a run sheet. It's got three things written on it. Hello at twohumorousnessespodcast.com. Correct. Humorous like the bone. H-U-M-E-R-U-S. <laughs> Bye. Bye.